Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. Well, our theme for this month, church, is going to be Take Courage, Overcomer. We're going to be looking at the life of Joshua uh, and the narrative of being an overcomer uh, that marks his life. And so today we're going to be starting at Joshua chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I encourage you, flip over there uh, to Joshua 1. And before we uh, dive into the text... I just want to give a brief background. Where have we come from? Where have we come from? Uh, Let's put this story in the wider biblical narrative, okay? So let's go right back to the beginning. Genesis, God makes the world. Mankind uh, has fallen in the Garden of Eden. They choose rebellion against God, um, but immediately... Immediately, the gracious father clothes his kids, Adam and Eve, uh, and promises that whilst the journey uh, will be painful, uh, he will raise up an offspring from the woman who one day will crush the head of the snake. It's an image of sin, corruption, decay being put to an end. God already has the plan even at the fall. And God starts to reveal more of this plan for humanity's redemption through Abraham, the patriarch, uh, and reveals that a nation is going to come from Abraham through which God is going to work his uh, redeeming power. And then we have the succession down through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants become the nation of Israel. Now, Israel ends up being in Egypt through the story of Joseph. We read that at the end of Genesis. But Israel becomes enslaved as a nation uh, by Egypt. But through this character, Moses... God redeems the whole of Israel from captivity where they've been enslaved for generations. And this is some, it's a beautiful prototype of what the saving work of what God's going to do 1500 years later through Jesus Christ on the cross. But let's focus back on Israel. They've been rescued out of Egypt. They've had this exodus taken from a place of danger, put into a place of safety, but they have yet to enter the promised land. They've been given this law to live by, this mosaic law to live by uh, in the wilderness. But now when we get to Joshua 1, they're at the cusp of entering into the promised land. If you remember the story, they go once uh, and have a look and they are not filled with faith. And and God says, okay, you're lacking faith in me. You're not trusting me. You're going to learn the lesson of trust through the wilderness. And so for 40 years, they're traipsing through um, the harsh uh, wilderness environment waiting to enter the promised land. And here we are, here we are uh, at the promised land. As we enter into this passage, Moses, uh, the great prophet, arguably the most influential character other than God himself in the Old Testament, he's died and his successor, Joshua, is about to lead Israel into the promised land. So here we go. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. 
Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you for all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written within it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is rousing stuff. I don't know about you, but like when you, when you read it slow, you realize the magnitude of what's happening for the nation of Israel. This is big stuff. About to enter the promised land after 40 years of trial in the desert. So let's look at this guy. Let's look at this character of Joshua. He's been the right-hand man of Moses. It says, uh, Exodus 24 describes him as Moses' helper. Uh, we read in Numbers eleven twenty-eight. it tells us that he's done that since he was a young boy. So, so we get this picture that Joshua was raised up at the right hand of Moses, learning from him, serving him, watching his life. He was a successful military leader for Israel. We read that in Exodus 20, other places where Joshua is leading the army of Israel and in great success as well. He was a man that stayed close to the presence of God. It says in Exodus 33, Verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses was returned to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. He's a man that loved the presence of God, to be around the presence of God. He was a scout that went into the promised land. We read that in Numbers 13. And he was one of only two of the scouts sent out that returned with a report that was filled with faith. If you remember, the other scouts were like, I don't know if we can do this. This looks intimidating. But Joshua, full of faith and optimism, along with Caleb. And he was named as Moses' successor. Numbers 27, starting at verse 18, it says, So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, because my spirit is in him. Put your hand on him and have him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the people. Then give him his orders as they watch. Let him share your honor so that all the Israelites will obey him. He must stand before Eleazar the priest and Eleazar will get advice from the Lord by using the Urim. At his command, all the Israelites will go out and at his command, they will all come in. Moses did what the Lord told him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the people. Then he put his hand on him and gave him the orders just as the Lord had told him. Here is a man of quality. This is a man of quality. I think this is a leader that I would want to follow. There's a few attributes that we've 
just dug into there, which I want to highlight that speak of this quality. First up, in a leader, you want someone that's going to be courageous. And all the facts we've had build up Joshua to seem as a person that is full of courage. He's a military man. He's used to fighting and used to fighting against odds as well and trusting in the Lord. But he's a man of courage. He's a man of authority. It's been described for us clearly that he grows up at the right hand of Moses. And at the end of Moses' life, Moses lays hands on him. And before all the people, confers onto him authority. It wasn't written in a will and there was no ambiguousness in, in the transition of power. No, like Moses is putting his hands on him in front of all the people, blessing him. Israel knows this is the man that has the authority to lead us. We're doing pretty well so far. And the last thing, that one thing, the je ne sais quoi, shall we say, the heart posture. We see Joshua is a man who's after God's heart, who stayed by the presence of God. So as we read this passage, why do we see this mandate to be strong and courageous four times in the opening chapter? Why give such a firm call to a man who seems like he would be literally possessed by such virtues? Why is God speaking that to Joshua? Well, I want us to look at who Joshua is taking over from. Moses is this gargantuan figure in the Old Testament. No one gets compared to the prophetic authority or the level of God's manifest glory that marks the ministry of Moses. And at the end of Moses' life in Deuteronomy, you can flick backwards just a page, uh, we have this fascinating passage. So Deuteronomy 34, if you read uh, verse 10, it says, Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and this whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. That piece of writing is a statement that begs the question, what happens next? It describes Moses in this like great authoritative way. It says no one has been like him. No one's risen up a person like Moses. So who could possibly fill this void? Who can fill the void? Well, immediately afterwards, we jump into the story of Joshua. Now, church, you have to understand that the Old Testament was not written in this one book. <laughs> it wasn't written by people picking up one literal book and, and filling out the pages. It was written on different scrolls. But nevertheless, these books were compiled. They were written in the context of one another. They were written in the context of one another. The authorship of these books is totally a continuation. It's a narration. And the author knows exactly what they're doing. 
This is so intentional. They are contrasting the leaders. And God here is speaking to the heart of Joshua. We see this incredible figure of Moses and Joshua is left kind of maybe quaking in his boots. Can I do this? And God says this incredible thing to Joshua in verse five of chapter one. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua seemed like a very competent man and a leader. Military prowess, authority from God and from Moses and a heart after the Lord. It really does seem like the finished package. You know, up on the mountain when Moses was meeting with the Lord, Moses was standing alone in the glory of God. Joshua went up part way, but he was on the outside looking in. And at the tent of meeting, we're told that Joshua stays at the tent in the presence. But it, it also is clear that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one would speak to a friend. Joshua wouldn't leave the tent. He was hungry to taste and experience what Moses was experiencing with God. But his relationship with the Lord was not the same as Moses' relationship. We have no recorded instances up to this point of God speaking to Joshua until we get to chapter one of Joshua, of God being face-to-face -face with him, of personal glory encounters. And it's interesting to note that Joshua is not a Levite as Moses and Aaron were. He's not one of the tribe that's been set apart for the priesthood to minister before the presence of the Lord. So as he comes preparing to lead a nation, to lead them into an occupied land and take for themselves what the Lord has promised, the taste of doubt is almost tangible. And you can almost hear it ringing in Joshua's head. I'm not Moses. Can I lead these people without him? Will God be with me? What happens when we cross over the river, enter the promised land and the manna, the provision that's fallen daily from heaven just stops? Will we be okay? Will I be able to lead these people? Am I enough? Am I enough? When God says to him, be strong and courageous, he's not asking him to exert himself, to demonstrate his own capabilities. When the Lord says to us, be strong and courageous, he's not asking us to exert ourselves and prove our own prowess. It's an invitation from the Lord to trust in him to be our strength. I'm sure Joshua had many reasons to doubt himself as incapable. And though we're told that he had the spirit of God in him. And though God now in Joshua 1 is speaking to him directly, the fears of self-doubt and insecurity would have been real, felt. But it's a familiar story. For us as humans living before God, this is a familiar story. And even for Joshua, if he remembered where his own 
mentor had come from. The great prophet Moses also stood before Yahweh and was filled with doubt of his own ability to fulfill the great plans that God had uh, to lead a nation, his nation from out of another nation in captivity. If you remember in Exodus 3, God speaks to Moses at the burning bush. And Moses says, Moses is saying to God, he says, who am I to go and speak to this king? And God says simply, I'm going to be with you. And Moses argues back with God. I'm not sure that's a good idea, but he's really trying to make sure that <laughs> he's got the right end of the stick. He says, if, if they ask under what authority, like what God is sending me, what do I say? And God says, I am who I am. I am who I am. The I am Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, now revealed for us through Jesus Christ of Nazareth and dwelling with us by his given spirit. He is enough. He is enough. He is enough. Our strength. Church, I don't know why this is, but God is is firmly in the habit of asking us, his children, to partner with him on things that are beyond our own human strength. When God says to be strong and courageous, he's asking you to risk and to enter a zone of faith where his strength is literally the only thing that will bring you into the promised land or into the fulfillment of what he's asked you to do. So what's our key? What's our key? I think it would feel inappropriate if we just said, God says, be strong and courageous. Just do it. Get on with it. <laughs> We're left thinking like, how? Our key for this ability to trust in the Lord, the, the courage that comes to allow us to lean into strength for the impossible, it's here, Joshua 1, starting verse 7. God says, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I think it's beautiful language. And, you know, it's the same language that gets used in Psalm 1. If you look in Psalm 1, and again, this is not an accident of authorship. This is carefully curate, curated wisdom showing up. And, and showing us the path of faith. If you read Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers we are called to wait on him 
that command to be strong and courageous, the call to overcome, it's not by our strength. It's not by our effort. And thank God it's not. We're called to wait on him, to enjoy his fellowship, to let his word permeate our minds, permeate our hearts, and ground us into a place of faith. I think it's impossible for us to walk this journey without having his word continually sustaining us. And so we're going to pray, church. We're going to pray. And again, I want to encourage you, if you want people to stand with you further in prayer, we've got a team ready to pray at the end of this meeting. If you're watching live, ctftoronto.com forward slash get prayer now. And you can log on, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray together here. I'm aware that we all have uh, various things in our life that we need breakthroughs in. And those are good, they're right, they're important that we partner with the Lord to overcome. Because he's a shield before us. He's our glory, the lifter of our heads, he's our champion. But I want us to dare to open up our hearts and minds a little wider this morning to, for you to be courageous and open up your heart to recognize that which God has put in your heart. Because God is firmly in the habit of asking us to partner with him for things which are impossible by our own human effort. There are things that he lays in front of us, which are wild moves in the kingdom of God. And he's asking us to take great leaps of faith that are beyond our own human strength. He's asking us to partner with him on projects and plans and initiatives that are beyond us. And I want you just to get in touch with that right now, those exciting places. And, and, and I just want to say, church, this walk, this Christian walk is meant to be exciting. If it feels dull, if it feels drab, um, we're not doing it right. <laughs> we're not doing it right. We're called to partner with the Holy Spirit just for the most wild, crazy, beautiful adventures. But let's be in this place. Father, we open up our hearts to you again. And we recognize that you are the dream giver, that you are the one that gives visions. And that you ask us to partner with you in faith. God, I ask first for those that feel like they lack uh, the dream, they lack the vision. God, that you would come and speak clearly. That you would show them your plans over their lives of where their hands are literally going to see your kingdom manifest as they partner with you. And God, for those who are aware that you have asked things of us that are big and probably scary, and we carry with us, God, those feelings of insecurity, looking behind us, looking at the people that are more accomplished than us, people that are more qualified than us, And God, we, we're sorry for where we have not believed your word and we've elevated our own word above your words. God, we repent for that place of heart attitude and we choose again today to say, God, we trust in your word.
And God, we trust uh, to accept that we are who you say we are. God, we choose to accept again today that you are enough. We are very aware of our own frailty and limitations, but we say that you are enough. Your strength is enough. And Lord, I ask for us that as we look into your eyes, that we would find your tender, loving kindness empowering us. God, I pray that we would never do you the disservice of being small people when you've asked us to partner with you in greatness. God, let us never hide behind false humility. We'll take you at your word. We'll follow you. Holy Spirit, come and empower us again. We love you so much. We're excited for what you have in store for us. We trust you. We trust you. Would you plant your word in our hearts, in our minds? Oh, we love you. Amen. Amen. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.